Hi, friends, and welcome to Robcast number nine, The Good Gift. Before we get into The Good Gift, what it is, how it works, and what it has to do with you and me, uh, a couple things coming up. Pete Holmes and I, the comedian Pete Holmes, the renowned comic Pete Holmes and I have a new two-man show called Together at Last. And we're going to take it on the road in April and May. And there's always the chance that we're coming to your town. We're doing uh, Tucson, Tampa, Orlando, Boston, Boulder, Salt Lake City, Portland, and Seattle on this first run of our Together at Last tour. All the info you need on that is at robbell.com. And then uh, we had quite a week here. Richard Rohr, the great Franciscan priest, author of Everything Belongs, An Immortal Diamond, and uh, The Naked Now. Richard Rohr was in town, and we did an event together. We basically just sat on stools and talked, and it was just fantastic. And all sorts of people came from all around for it. And then the next day, I did a one-day event on creative process, where I talked from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., with a couple breaks. Um, and I met, so just a shout out to Vicki from Mississippi and Kevin and Meg were there from Canada and the fellow in the back row from Belfast. I feel like every time I do one of these events, I make all these new friends. We even had some people from Texas. So it was nice to have international guests with us. Um, and it happened like it always happens is you get all these people in a room from literally all over the world and we start talking about the new thing in the air and you find out that you have brothers from other mothers and sisters from different misters. That's one of the things um, that I hope that happens with this Robcast is you find out that you're part of a community of people from all over the place who are more alive than ever, who are searching and growing and learning and thrilled to be walking down this path uh, together. So there were all sorts of friends and family in town, and of course, a bunch of us went surfing, and what that means is by the end of the week, I have been talking a lot, and uh, so I thought this is the perfect day, the, the morning after the morning after the morning after, do you know what I mean? Do you ever have those where you um, have so much going on, and you're flying high, and it's exciting, and the adrenaline's pumping, and then there's the day after the day after the day after, or the day after that day. Um, when there's a little bit of an Elvis has left the building feel. And uh, it dawned on me, this is the perfect day to talk about Eucharist, the good gift. Now, uh, I want you, if you're, if you're anywhere near pen and paper, to write out this word Eucharist, E-U-C-H-A-R-I-S-T, Eucharist. Eucharist essentially means good gift. The EU there, it's a Greek word. The EU means good. And then charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, means grace or gift. Um, there's a form of this word that's used when Jesus is having a, his last meal with his disciples. And um, when he had given thanks, Eucharistia. Um, so the word means thanksgiving or, or, or the good grace. Or you could translate this word, the good gift. Eucharist. So I want to walk you through what Eucharist is, how it works, and what it has to do with you and me. There is a way that the world works. Think about the movie 
that you've seen in the past six months that most inspired you, that most made your soul soar, that, that most breathed new life into you. Now think about that movie. Somebody wrote it. So somebody sat down and probably for years typed that thing out. It probably started with a bunch of note cards or a, an idea on the back of a napkin in a restaurant. Who knows where the idea came? Then somebody else had to raise the money to make that film. Somebody else had to put it in screenplay form. Somebody had to cast it. Somebody had to direct it. Somebody had to storyboard it. Somebody had to learn their lines. Somebody had to scout locations. And then somebody actually had to shoot it. Somebody had to spend probably hundreds of people spent months from home on a location somewhere. And then you have the distribution of it. You have the editing of it. Someone probably sat thousands, hundreds, maybe thousands of hours in an editing bay, making sure that every scene worked. Somebody had to score it. So somebody had to come up with the, all the music for it. Somebody, if there was dialogue coaching involved, if there were stunts, like think about every last detail. Like at the end of a movie, when you see those credits, and sometimes it seems like it's uh, hundreds, maybe thousands of people who took part in making that movie, not let alone the distribution of that money to get that movie, to get it to your iPad, movie theater, television screen, however it is that you saw it, so that you could have that two-hour experience. See, for you to be inspired, somebody else had to do a ton of work. Or, or think about a mentor, somebody at some key moment in life who came alongside you, or maybe for a long period of time, and they gave you wisdom, they gave you time, they were patient with you, they listened to you. If you have been blessed, someone else did the blessing. If you've been inspired, somebody, in, to inspire is to breathe in, somebody somewhere breathed out whatever that was, so that you could breathe it in. If you have received, someone else gave. If you have benefited, there was a cost. It's how the world works. All those things that moved you, inspired you. Growing up, there was food on the table. If there was food on the table, someone somewhere went to work and earned the money to buy that food. If you receive, someone else gave. It's how the world works. Things don't just appear in a vacuum. Now, at the heart of the Jesus story is a story about Jesus being God's good gift given to us for the healing of the world. Christ is the Eucharist. And the gift works in a very specific way. His body is broken and his blood is poured out. We receive, and we receive because there's a cost. Body broken, blood poured out. And now, here's where things get interesting. Not that that isn't interesting, but then we, in response to this good gift, become our own Eucharists to the world. We then, out of gratitude for this good gift, are invited to give ourselves as a Eucharist outpouring for the healing of the world. And the way that it works, as we both know, is the body is broken and the blood is poured out. So I want to talk about fatigue and rhythm. First off, fatigue. There is physical tired. Have you ever had that sense? Like just your bones ache. You're just, 
You just want to put your feet up. You just want to take a long nap. You just want to go to bed early. There is physical tired, the kind where you need a hot shower, the kind where you need a good meal, the kind where you work to the bone and you're just weary. Your feet hurt, that kind of physical tired. There is intellectual fatigue. When your brain is tired, think of that 17-year-old girl who just took the SAT. And how long does that take? Four hours? Five, five hours? She walks out onto the sidewalk having pushed her brain for five hours, and she's just cooked. There's that feeling when you've been dealing with things all day long, meetings, emails, phone calls, solving difficult logistical issues, whatever it is, and your brain is just fried and you just need to stare out the window. You just need to listen to some music. You just need to cook for a while. You just need a brainless television show. That sense when you, intellectual fatigue. There's physical tired. There's intellectual tired. And sometimes you just need a vacation. You just need a weekend. You just need an evening off. You just need a week at the lake with your feet in the sand and then you're fine. But then there is another kind of tired. There is Eucharist tired. Eucharist tired, it's like, a, it's like a dial on your dashboard that you don't quite know what it is, but you know when you're that kind of tired. Eucharist tired is when you're tired not just at a physical or an intellectual level. The Eucharist is tired when you're like soul tired, spirit tired. Sometimes Eucharist tired has your brain racing with the weirdest thoughts. Like, what is the point of it all? Have you ever had that? You love your kids, and yet they do one strange thing, and you're like, these kids, I'm going to eat them if they don't change their ways very quickly. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's that thing. You respect your coworkers. You believe in the mission. You think you're doing good work. But on this one particular day, you are Eucharist-tired, and you're just like, you feel like you're one more comment from snapping. You're going to go postal on the roof of the building with a machine gun. You know what I'm talking about? That stuff that like makes you feel like a little bit crazy. It's Eucharist tired. Because our work in the world, there's an element when we give ourselves to those around us, there's an element of Eucharist to it. Your body is broken and your blood is poured out. You are here to take part in the healing of the world. In the Jewish tradition, they have a phrase, tikkun olam, the repair and restoration of the world. That's what we're doing. We're making things. We're arranging things, whether it's justice, whether it's healthcare, whether it's education, whether you're an entrepreneur, whether you're providing goods and services. There can be a Eucharistic element of all work in which we believe we are here to serve. We are here for the blessing of others. We are here to give so that others may receive life. And the Eucharist gift always comes with a cost. The body is broken and the blood is poured out. Think of a mom who is working every day. Moms are never off duty. Would you agree? That's 24-7 Eucharist, breaking yourselves open and pouring yourself out so that this young life can flourish as it's launched into the world. Now, from fatigue, let's move to rhythm. There then have to be Eucharist rhythms to our life. If there is 
a body broken and blood poured out, then there has to be a corresponding season or moment or day or hour or week in which you allow the body to be put back together and the blood to be poured back in. So sometimes you're tired and like, I just need a vacation, but you're tired at some deeper level. It's because you've been living in an unsustainable way. You can't endlessly have the body broken and the blood poured out. There isn't enough body and there isn't enough blood. And sometimes what happens, especially in American culture, because we're good Americans and what we know how to do is run really fast, right? We work, 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 work. We produce, we produce, we produce. Many of us weren't taught any Eucharist rhythms where you learn to take care of yourself. You, my brothers and sisters, you're a good gift to the world. You're a good gift to us. Your passion, your talent, your skill, the things you care about, your unique self. You are a Eucharist for the rest of us. We need you to give yourself in the ongoing creation of the world to the healing, to the restoration, to the repair of the world. And the gift, the way that it works is the body's broken and the blood's poured out. So we need you to care for yourself. We need you to have a Eucharist rhythm. Think about your day, think about your week. When are you on? When is it most exhausting? When is it most draining? Now, what would it look like to have periods when you are resting, when you are not on, you are off. When you are not on the stage, you are off the stage. When you are not fully engaged, but you are disengaged. When you are allowing the body to be put back together and the blood to be poured back in. Interesting, isn't it, that when the crowds get the largest, what you see in Jesus' life is he then withdraws to quiet places. In our culture, if the crowds gather, then you add a service, right? <laughs> you do more, you run harder. But what you'll notice with Jesus is as he has more and more people listening, more and more people draining him, you see this increased rhythm where he withdraws to pray, to rest, to just let the body be put back together and the blood to be poured back in. Now, some people, such guilt is associated with not producing and working and showing everybody what you've done in the past hour or day or week, that anything that isn't full on work feels, and here's the word, lazy. It's not lazy. You are honoring the good gift that is you in the world. Now, let's make one little tangent here about fame. It's interesting, especially with the sort what the internet has done. Have you noticed how many television shows are about people becoming famous really fast? There is this sort of obsession with having massive influence and being incredibly well known and changing the world instantly. If you want influence, if you want to change the world, it happens through your body being broken and your blood poured out. It happens through 10,000 hours of decisions to humble yourself and give your good gift quietly, steadily, day after day after day. And it will always involve some level of sacrifice and cost. That's how the gift works. Now, 
In the Christian tradition, there is a ritual called Eucharist. It's also called communion. It's also called mass, the Lord's Supper, the table. And what happens in this ritual is we gather at the table. We gather at the bread and the wine to be reminded of Christ and his good gift, body broken and blood poured out for all of us, to recenter ourselves in that gift and our receiving of it. Anybody here need that grace today? Anybody need that love? Anybody need that healing? Anybody need the good gift? Does anybody feel confused like you've been wandering through the deep weeds and you need the gift of direction and guidance, the gift of home? Anybody done some things this week that you are not proud of? So there's shame, guilt, regret. You got a voice in your head telling you you shouldn't have said that, you shouldn't have said that. And besides making amends with whoever you shouldn't have said it to, there is your own forgiveness of yourself. See the table, the Eucharist table. You bring whatever you need to bring to it. You bring whatever brokenness. You bring whatever regrets, whatever sins, whatever stumblings, whatever it is you need to bring to it. You bring your joy. You bring your euphoria. You bring your profound gratitude. You bring your whole self to the table. As a friend of mine likes to say, we're setting a table for the whole world. Now, you can see what happened. For the past, I would argue, roughly 500 years, uh, what happened at the heart of faith is for many people, faith became what you believe, and beliefs are incredibly important, but the center of the faith became a list of things you believe or you don't believe. And so this group over here has their nine things, and this group over there has their 11 things, and this group has their 13 things, which are different than nine things, so they moved down the street and started a new church. Sound familiar? And what we do then in those situations is you go, to a you go to a room, you go to a gathering, you go to a church so that this person up front can repeat the same 10 things over and over so you can all feel like we've got it, we're in, we're right, we believe the right things. And if someone comes along and says something that's not one of your 10 things, whoa, then you have to go online and blog about them. <laughs> Did you like that one right there? That was funny. I don't care who you are, that was funny. But... There is another way to see faith, not as a list of things you believe. And by the way, once you go down that road, once your faith is basically um, how your intellectual furniture are arranged in your head or, or even your heart. But the problem there is you'll never, ever get to the end of that. You'll split point number 11 and point number seven, someone will challenge. And then you'll have to have a new list of 14 things. It never ends. And there's always somebody who's a heretic, who's unorthodox. There's always somebody who's got a slightly different list, right? But at the center of the Jesus tradition for thousands of years was not a list of things in your head. At the center of the Jesus story was a table a table where you gather around the bread and wine, a table where everyone is welcome because we're setting a table for the whole world, a table where we gather around the bread and wine because the bread and wine is holy, because all bread and wine is holy, because all of life is holy. We gather around the table to reflect on the good gift, Christ, body broken and blood poured out for our healing, our salvation, our grounding, our centering. We gather around this table to be reminded that we are each Eucharists. 
cold wherever we find ourselves in the world to break our body open and pour our blood out for the healing of those around us for the good of our office our neighborhood our house our city our nation now when you begin to see that as the center the center then is the mystery of the body broken and the blood poured out the center isn't a nice neat list the center is a person the center is a body the center is blood the center is a mystery the eucharistic mystery of the divine love flowing through all creation flowing through us as it heals us and restores us and then as it flows out to others you my friends you are living breathing eucharists now maybe you were given a whole long list of reasons why you fall short Maybe it's been beaten into your head that you somehow have no good in you. Maybe you just have voices that tell you that you have no skill, no talent, no passion. There's no point for you to be here. Today, I remind you that you are a Eucharist. You are a good gift. What does it look like for your body to be broken and your blood to be poured out for the healing of those and the world around you? Maybe you have a job you go to every day that you hate. It is just one TPS report after another. It is drudgery. There is nothing Eucharistic about it. Try this tomorrow. Take this word Eucharist. Write it on your hand. Write it on the dashboard of your car. Stick it on a post-it note at the bottom of your computer. See yourself as a Eucharist. Not in a prideful, bloated, hey, by the way, I am the good gift to all of you, but in the humble, quiet way of knowing I'm here as a Eucharist to give myself in love to these people, to serve, to give, to bless, to inspire. It will always have a cost. It will always involve me giving myself. It will involve risk. It may be rejected. That's the Jesus story, correct? It may not be appreciated. It may not be acknowledged, but you offer all of it as your good gift. May you, my brothers and sisters, may you receive the good gift of life through Christ. May it heal you. May it inspire you. May it fill you with new life. And then may you turn in response to this Eucharist good gift and see yourself as a Eucharist, a good gift to the world around you. And may the grace and peace of Christ be with you.